The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data, Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome back to the MarTech Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Knit. Knit is a dynamic ad insertion platform that lowers the barriers to use podcasts as an advertising channel. They enable businesses of all sizes to reach new potential customers through audio ads on premium podcast content like Bleacher Report, TMZ, and CNN. They take the guesswork out of media buying by allowing you to choose what shows, geographies, and keywords you want to target. So if you've been listening closely to this podcast, you'll know that I am a Knit customer. I've invested roughly $2,500 in podcast advertising advertising, which is the key reason that this show has gone from zero to roughly 10,000 downloads in five months. Best of all, like Facebook, like AdWords, Knit is a self-service platform with no minimum order size. It's incredibly easy to use. It's cost efficient. It's a great way to market your product or service. I believe in the platform so much that anybody who is interested in learning about podcast advertising can book a free 30-minute podcast advertising strategy session with me to learn about the Knit platform by clicking on the link in our show notes or by going to benjshap.com slash knit. That's B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P.com slash K-N-I-T. So head over to our show notes or go to benjshap.com slash knit to schedule your complimentary podcast advertising strategy session and start growing your audience with knit, bringing podcast advertising to the people. That's knit. Okay, today we're going to continue our conversation about a methodology that's increasingly being adopted by technology-driven marketing organizations, agile processes. Joining us is Stu Fisher, who's the principal consultant at Sentient Consulting, a consulting firm that amplifies business performance through customer-focused strategies and technologies that deliver great experiences and strong, scalable, agile execution. Prior to founding Sentient Consulting, Stu has worked in product roles at large organizations, including HP, First Tech Credit Union, and Symantec. And in this episode, he's going to walk us through how marketers are applying agile processes and some of the technologies that they're integrating into their stacks. Here is the second part of our interview with Stu Fisher. Stu, welcome back to the MarTech Podcast. Thanks, Ben. Great to be back. 
In our last conversation, we talked a lot about just generally what agile processes are, specifically that they're a way for organizations to continually optimize their strategy as opposed to a traditional waterfall methodology. It allows people to be more flexible and have more rapid iteration. Today, I want to talk more about how marketers specifically are applying agile processes and some of the technologies that they use to do that. So let's start off just by talking a little bit about who is doing a good job with agile processes in the marketing world. I think marketing teams that are doing a great job with agile are typically going to be organizations that have been doing agile for a while or adopted agile early on in their evolution. So certainly startups and small companies that are growing, but of established companies, the companies that have been doing Agile for some time. The interesting thing is Agile marketing is a side effect of Agile adoption. So think of it like your friend is dragging you onto this roller coaster. You're not sure you want to go on the roller coaster, but then you get on the roller coaster and it's terrifying, but it's also very exciting and exhilarating. I think that sort of summarizes the experience of some marketers in their agile journey. The engineers and the product teams were doing agile and marketing folks would go to these meetings and discussions because they have to work closely with these teams. And they would say, what are you talking about? And eventually they would sort of catch the bug and say, hey, we need to be doing our processes in an agile way as well. So I think the adoption came as an outgrowth of what other teams were already doing. And marketers kind of got pulled into the wake of that. So you mentioned that for marketers at time, implementing agile processes can feel like getting on a roller coaster. It can be a little scary. You have your ups and downs. At the end, it's exciting and worthwhile. Hopefully, I'm not taking too many liberties with your metaphor. Mm -hmm. Why is it scary to implement agile processes? It seems very logical to me. And maybe it's just I have a startup background and the nature of my business is very agile to begin with. Mm -hmm. Why is it so scary for large organizations to implement these processes? One of the things that Agile really relies on is people working together on a daily basis. So I think when you get into a scaled up organization, even in startups, I've seen this as startups start to grow. Startups initially can value the autonomy of being able to go off with their team and deliver stuff and make things happen. And then as they start to get a little bit bigger, then the requirement shifts to them having to sort of integrate and create seams that are tight with other orgs or with other teams. That's where the scariness comes into play. So it's about working with other people, the complexity of that, the coordination associated with working with other people. I think that's where people have some trepidation. Hey, just let me go off and do this the way that I want to do it, the way I've always done it. It's a bit of a who moved my cheese moment for people in organizations, I think, both large and small ones, but for different reasons. So I think once they get past that, the initial fear of change, then like you're describing, Ben, they start to see the value and the simplicity and the elegance in doing things in this way. So the thing that sticks out to me is the metaphor where you're talking about who moved my cheese. And I understand that going from a role where people in the organization have their fiefdom, they're responsible for a specific task, and no one has insight into what they're prioritizing, how they're accomplishing their task, right? They have more autonomy. And losing that seems like something that can be frightening. 
How do people get over that sense of losing authority, losing autonomy by integrating agile processes? Agile relies on extreme level of transparency as well, which can be terrifying. But once you actually dip your toe into the water, you realize that, like you said, it's a very elegant and simple approach. If we think about things like prioritizing a backlog, in my experience, what I've found is that if you take your backlog of N items and you break it into thirds, let's just say that represents the top third of your backlog, those types of things tend to be uncontroversial. People, in my experience, are rarely arguing about what the highest value thing that needs to be done is. No one will say like that number one priority needs to be the number 30 priority and the number 33 priority needs to be the number one priority. So before you get into it, there's a fear that something like that may happen. But in actual practice, you realize that the top third of the list, it's pretty uncontroversial. Like sometimes things change places by one or two spots, but unless there is a shift in strategy or a shift in customer needs, and in that case, that's the whole purpose of Agile, right? So if all of a sudden a new competitor comes in and there's something that you had languishing down at number 30 on your backlog that all of a sudden needs to move up to number five or number three, then you have good rationale for why to move it up the list. But all things being equal, that first third is uncontroversial. The middle third, things kind of move around a lot because you're still actually in more of a defining stage. You might be doing testing to help inform what it is that the customer need is to help get your user story more clearly defined. And then the last third of your backlog is typically consists of things that just have never quite made it up high enough on the list. So at a certain point, you have to decide whether you just kill them off your backlog entirely. And then also other unformed ideas, brainstorms, et cetera, that still need to be fleshed out. I think if I had to summarize what you're saying is the first third of your backlog of your task list are mandatory tasks that need to be executed. They're top priorities. They are green lights. The middle third of your backlog are nice to haves. If you get through the top third, then they're the next thing to execute on, but they're maybe not top priorities. And so that shifts around a fair amount. And then the back third are concepts, ideas, things that haven't been fully flushed out. Yes. And all throughout that list, the second and bottom third are also new ideas that are being built up and that are working their way up. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then, and instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. 
That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. So talk to me a little bit more about marketing specifically. Are there ways that marketers are taking advantage of agile processes? Where are they getting implemented? Who's using it? Let's focus more on the marketer. In terms of what marketers are doing, I think web presence really is your brand and is your brand experience. So whether you're marketing something or selling something online or offline, usually people's first stop in terms of learning about you and learning about your business is going to be somewhere online. And probably a good portion of those people are coming straight to you. So the world is set up for being agile from a marketing standpoint because you can do a lot of testing. You can test your messages. In the example that we talked about last time with a clothing company, you can test to see, answer the question, is there demand for this shirt that we're thinking about selling or not? And you can iterate on those tests to see what exactly is the message that resonates with which customers. I think you marry that up with data about who your high usage customers are. And I sort of like to take the approach of find out who your most loyal, most devoted customers are, understand them very deeply, make sure you're meeting their needs and make sure they're making them very happy and then try to find more that look just like them. So with the agile approach, then you can be highly iterative on that front. Yeah, it's interesting. You bring up something that I'm a firm believer in, which is having a brand development strategy, which to me is understanding what are the core strengths of your organization who are the consumers that are interested in your products and services and what are their needs? So by understanding those things, you can build out rich segmentation. It's one of the things that I've done a fair amount of in my consulting practice is help people figure out who those customers are. And that helps you in your agile processes because as we talked about in our last conversation, you're really answering three questions. Who are you building for? What are you building? And why are you building it? You had three blanks. Remind me again what your three blank statement was. As a blank, I want or I need blank so that blank. Right. And let me just point out, Ben, an agile failure mode. So we haven't talked much about agile failure modes, but I think it sort of bears stating here as companies and especially marketers start to get their feet wet with this. There are some sort of do's and don'ts. If your story structure is as a customer, then that's sort of a red flag. So of course, you're writing your stories, you're writing your descriptions based on a real life customer. But what about that customer? Are they a high use customer in Central Europe? Are they a prospective customer in Asia Pacific? Pick your country. What problem are you solving? Who exactly are you solving it for? This is relevant to marketing because when you come back around to the set of business questions, so yes, we launched that story and now we want to know, was it successful? Did it deliver the value we thought it would deliver? The more specifically you have defined who the customer is, 
then the more specifically you can go back and test or look at data to determine, did this deliver the value that we expected it to? Yes or no. Okay. So I understand that when you're answering your three questions, you're filling in your three blanks. It's not as simple as a customer persona. It has to be a specific customer, which you can define very closely, a specific problem that you're trying to solve for a customer. Let's turn the page a little bit and talk about some of the technology that companies and marketers are implementing to apply agile methodology. Are there softwares or services that you suggest help you follow agile guidelines? I think there are lots of different types of companies, large ones and small ones. So the suite of products from Atlassian, Jira, Confluence, those types of products have sort of been traditionally, I think, market leaders in terms of managing agile projects. There's another company that was acquired by CA when it was a startup. It was called Rally Dev, and they had a good software that allowed companies to manage agile workflows and backlogs and so on and so forth. So those things are good. But then besides that, there's also testing suites, especially for online, things like Optimizely, or if you're a larger organization, then you might be looking at the Adobe suite of products, products that used to be called Test and Target, which allow you to do A-B testing, multivariate testing, and so forth. Those are some of the ones that are just top of mind as being related to Agile that I could recommend. I mean, companies work off of spreadsheets as well. The idea with Agile is an idea of minimization. So you want to minimize the amount of overhead. You want to minimize the amount of documentation that you need to deliver value. You want to minimize complexity as much as possible to be able to deliver value. You want to keep things elegantly simple. So what I'm hearing is that there's a couple different tools that people are using for Agile processes. There's your split testing tools. You mentioned Optimizely and some other testing tools where you're able to do multiple tests and get data and understand which variant performs the best. And in terms of processes, there isn't a real strong productivity software that you recommend that's agile. It's not like Trello is the easiest one or Airtable or Asana, for example. I think the answer to those questions really depends on your organization and the needs of your organization will drive the decision about what's right or what's best. Even in the case of using Jira for your Agile workflow, you can use a sort of off-the-shelf SaaS standard version of Jira, or you can customize Jira to support your particular environment. So some of those decisions are organization-based, but my advice is start with something simple and let it grow from there versus overbuilding, because you might find yourself in a situation where you're using something that's too complicated, and then you've got a change management issue, getting people to adopt it, and then they won't want to use the product. So then your Agile starts to flounder, not because of the merits of Agile, but because of the tools that you've chosen to use. So really, the methodology, your advice is the easiest way to apply agile methodology is to try to use some of the existing tools and services people are comfortable with. So you're actually able to build your processes around the organization, not around a specific piece of software. Mm -hmm. Post-it notes on a wall. (laughs) Work great. (laughs) Okay. In fact, when we have our backlog meetings, that's what we used. We wrote the name of each user story on a post-it note. 
And we put them on a wall in the order in which we thought they should be. And then we had a conversation. And the great thing about that is it's completely flexible. You can unstick it and restick it anywhere. And you can basically manage the entire backlog using a stack of post-its and a whiteboard. So that absolutely works in a very real-time way. You're not locked in. No one's walking in with presentation decks and trying to defend ideas. So it sort of takes the intensity away of a bunch of people coming into a room and interacting to try to make a decision because you have just immediate flexibility in the tools that you're using. I'm going to go on the record and disagree with you slightly because this is the MarTech podcast. For those of you who are listening and are looking to start an agile process, I do something similar. I use Pipedrive in my CRM and I have built out stages in my processes, which I would consider agile. I've used Asana to do prioritization. Trello, Airtable is also another tool. There's a host of services that are low cost or no cost, which you can create your backlog and prioritize it and visualize it so other people can use it, mostly for distributed teams. They can't necessarily be in the same room and move their post-its around. So there are, I believe, technology solutions that you can use an agile process for. Again, you do have to get over the hurdle for people to apply them. Stu, let's talk a little bit about what your services are. Who are the people that you help? Tell me a little bit about your business. Sure. So I'm helping companies to be able to go through waterfall to agile transformations and really also doing a lot of coaching, whether that's management coaching or whether that's getting down and helping individual contributors on these agile teams to do a better job helping other people understand what they want to do and helping to sort of define work and so forth. So it looks like a lot of individual coaching and then a lot of leadership coaching. Great. Any last words of advice for marketers that are looking to start building out agile processes or looking to go from waterfall to agile? Obviously, they can get in touch with you and we'll list your website in our show notes and we'll read it in our outro. But any other last bits of advice for people that are looking to be more agile? I would say start with the values and really every day you come in to work, think about what's the highest and best use of my time today in terms of delivering value to the customer. The biggest thing about being agile is about constantly focusing on delivering the greatest value to the customer that you can versus a task list that is ever growing and never ending. And then you just sort of generate a lot of activity, but not necessarily a lot of high value activity. So I would say the core of being agile for people to adopt is really what's the highest value I can deliver to the customer in this moment. Okay. Well, that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Stu Fisher for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Stu, you can click on the link to his bio in our show notes or go to his website, sentient.consulting. A special thanks to Knit for sponsoring this podcast. If you're interested in using podcast advertising to grow your reach or reach a new audience, click the link in our show notes or go to benjshap.com slash knit, K-N-I-T, to book your complimentary media strategy session with me. If you're a subscriber to the MarTech Podcast, I want to say thank you for being a member of our community. If you ever have questions, comments, if you'd like to be a guest on the show, feel free to reach out by clicking the contact link in our show notes or by reaching out on social media. Our handle is LLC, or you can reach out to me directly at BenJShap. That's B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. If you haven't subscribed yet and you want a weekly stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we've got some great episodes lined up in the next few weeks. So 
hit that subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back with you later this week. Okay, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.